This is Small Business as Usual, a program about the art of operating small enterprises and the issues faced by the owners. It's a presentation of the Community Economic Development Fund in Meriden, Connecticut. I'm Frederick Welk, a business advisor for CEDF clients. The Community Economic Development Fund is a nonprofit lender providing financing to qualified small businesses in Connecticut that can't obtain traditional bank financing. More about CEDF at the end of the program. This episode is about perseverance. The classic image of an entrepreneur involves someone with a singular vision relentlessly scaling obstacles and roadblocks to create a successful concept. It sounds to me like it requires a bottomless supply of perseverance. There's an abundance of definitions for the word in the numerous dictionaries online, but one phrasing I found most appropriate was, continuing in a course of action without regard to discouragement, opposition, or previous failure. One common synonym is determination, and I wondered what the difference was. Fortunately, the topic's been thoroughly discussed on Reddit, and I'll paraphrase one contributor's explanation. Determination is pure forward motion. It picks a path and sticks to it no matter what it has to do to achieve its goal. If you show determination a door and say the door is locked, it'll use a battering ram. If the door doesn't yield to the battering ram, it'll still keep bashing until either the door yields or breaks. Perseverance isn't afraid to go sideways or backwards. It picks a path and tries until it's obvious that path isn't going to work, at which point it'll try another. If you show perseverance a door and say the door is locked, it'll try the handle. If that doesn't work, start looking for a key. I've got a client that's an exemplar of these definitions, and his story is so compelling, I'm going to let him tell it for the rest of the program. Uh, my name is Evan Dobis. I'm the founder of CivicLift, which is a piece of software that we've been building for communities to help them with their overall community engagement efforts, participation, awareness, have a, a larger impact on their social and economic vitality. The main need that we are solving for a town is um, you have many moving parts in it. You have the, the municipality website, you have a library website, every business in town has their own website potentially. And you know, they sometimes they use Facebook and sometimes they use email blasts. So even in small communities, you have scores of different sources to go to to find out about one single town. So what CivicLift does is it compiles all of these moving parts and creates a single, more cohesive channel for a resident to access and therefore discover events that are happening locally, what businesses are, are nearby that they drive by daily without recognizing or noticing, pieces of news, headlines, and, and events, and announcements that are happening across the town. And it puts it all into one single resource, and then it delivers it in a way that the modern resident expects it. In other words, it's mobile ready, it's on their computer, it's curated based on their interests, and it's digestible by search engines. So it's actually being found and placed in front of people instead of forcing them to have to go to 20 plus different sources to find it. From a technical standpoint, it's, it's software as a service. So we deliver a online-based platform for the towns to use. Residents use it, uh, elected officials can use it, and business owners that are in that town each use it a different way, but it's all one platform. So my, my past is in uh, website development, and we actually were approached by a city that we were based out of to build a 
a website. They didn't even know what they wanted. They said, you know, we have a, a budget. We want to modernize um, how our community interacts with one another, come up with a few ideas and pitch it to us. And so we did. And after launching it, we had a lot of engagement from the community. So we had the project before we even had the startup idea. It was seeing how the community acted to it and how it first launched that inspired us to uh, let's try to do this again for other towns. And then it kind of just unfolded from there. So the first town we launched in, that I was talking about was Torrington. I, w- I would even say halfway through building that platform, we thought if we do this right, we can do it again for other towns. So we went way above and beyond what the initial scope of the project was. You know, we did that voluntarily because we saw the potential. I would say the biggest piece of encouragement was just looking at the user metrics of the site after we launched it, we actually saw businesses using it as a primary marketing tool for themselves, and we saw them getting a return on it. So we were a good resource for them to to leverage to communicate with their ideal footprint, their customer base. So that was really encouraging. And then after a lot of the residents were, were seeing it and using it and discovering that they can also submit their own content to it, their events, we saw all of a sudden it take its own form where people were advertising a tag sale they were having or this business was advertising an open mic they were having. And whatever was uh, actually happening in the town was accurately being reflected on this website. For me, that's very encouraging because we didn't have to pull any marketing tricks or stuff content into it. These are things that are actually already happening in Torrington. So it was very organic to the town. And when the neighboring towns saw it and signed up themselves, these towns are all very different. And it took a very different shape depending on the microculture of each of those towns. So every time we launched a site for a town, it was very different, but it was a perfect reflection of the community. And that to me was a big clue that we were onto something and that this was worth further development and investment. My background was in web design. It did not give me any sort of head start on software development. I didn't even know what kind of team I needed, what kind of languages it was supposed to be built in. I felt like a pinball back then. I was bouncing around from one direction to another. I was trying to do a lot of research. I was searching out mentors. I was going to a lot of meetup groups and having a lot of conversations about how something like this should be approached. The main challenges were, I think I started I restarted three times over. The first time I was approached by a local software development company who said, we really like this project, we can help you build it, and we want 51% equity. This idea was so new, great, uh, I can have this produced and this is going to get built. Yes, I own 49%, but this is how I see it actually coming to fruition, so that was exciting. But it quickly unraveled and and fell apart. A lot of effort went there, a lot of time went there. And then the second round was just a single person who I was considering to be the CTO, the chief technical officer. So he would take it upon himself to figure out all of the technical challenges, how to build it, what languages to choose. And he was super qualified. But again, over time and after having many beers with him and lunches with him and 
whiteboarding together and talking about all the lofty ideas of what this thing can turn into. He wasn't available as he said he was because he was still working full time and his job changed. And I was completely unqualified to figure out how what the correct path was. So yeah, I felt like a pinball and it was demoralizing and discouraging. So I decided to take more ownership of it and started going to demonstrations of developers who were demoing products they built, prototypes they built. There was this program in New Haven that was like an apprenticeship for software developers and they had a, a demo day. So I started attending those and approaching developers that way. I was able to find some promising avenues to go, but of course the one blocking issue was, okay, if I'm not going to give somebody equity now and I'm going to pay, how on earth am I going to get the money to pay for this? I was bootstrapping and building this platform that way was horribly intensive in terms of time and manpower to do it. It was not a scalable method of building software. I went to a few pitch competitions to try to, to receive a grant for funding. We did win two of those, which was very helpful, got us a lot of good exposure. And we used that money and continued developing our prototype more and more, but it didn't really break into a full development mode until we secured a business loan through CEDF, actually. I never felt like folding it up. I always felt just like this idea is good and people are using it. I need to see it through and I need to make it happen. I hit a lot of roadblocks one after the other, but I think I probably relate more to the definition of perseverance than I do determination. I was very willing to be malleable to the process and to take one step forward, see where that got me, and then if it didn't get me in the direction I wanted to go, then change direction. So we were always pivoting throughout this process. The perseverance was all the way from figuring out how to build software, but also what the customer interactions was like. We're selling to cities and towns, so there's a lot of red tape there, there's a lot of steps there, the sales cycle is long. We had to factor that in, but we didn't really recognize it. I was always very willing to shift directions. I'm just stuck on this thought of having Civic Lift deployed statewide, maybe even beyond. I just have this vision of it being being an active part of community infrastructure. So that was what I looked at all the time. I did not care how it got there, but we did the minimal viable product approach. We designed the smallest thing we can possibly design that we can still make money with. So I had to ruthlessly chop off my feature list. Right from the launch, it wasn't like, okay, we're, we're starting to rake in money now. It was, we launched, we have customers, let's use those customers to market for more customers and therefore bring in more revenue so that we can continue developing other features that we know are important are currently not live and utilized yet. I've been in that phase for, it was like two years ago when we, when we got the loan, maybe even more than that. So we've been doing that consistently ever since then. So that loan initiated the build so that we can sell something and we've been trying to sell as much of it as we can so that we can continue to reinvest that money into making our product even better. And someday maybe development will slow down because we have a fully featured product. I don't actually see that being too far away from where we are now, but I had no idea it was gonna be as far away as it was. Uh, from inception to now, um, uh, five and a half years, I think at least. Um, yeah, five and a half years. I could probably even be criticized for being over emotional 
when it comes to business decisions. You know, I obsess over this product and I lose sleep over it. That, that may drive you, that may be relatively unhealthy. It's definitely a mix of both. But a lot of my decisions have been based on gut feelings. I think entrepreneurs that have the, that kind of mind for it, that's the main driver for moving forward is the gut-based decisions. And of course, if you're that way, like I am, you obviously need the mentors to make more rational decisions and to help you with that and then be completely open to being coached in that way. And of course, when you're dreaming about this, you only dream about home runs. I'm, th I'm 36 now, so back in my 20s, it was a lot different, but I think I might have matured enough to, to know that a single is um, enough to get excited about and enough to inspire you to keep pushing forward because that is a significant step closer to scoring a run, even though it wasn't a home run. If you're looking back at all the ventures that I tried to start, this is definitely not my first, which means I have walked away from a few and given up a few myself. I went through an accelerator, an incubator called Reset in Hartford. That was a class of 15, and I think I only know of uh, one or two that are actually still trying to pursue what they were there for. Uh, definitely some people will be faced with, oh my gosh, this is so much more work than I thought. If you told me five and a half years ago that I wouldn't have hit a home run for five and a half years from that moment, I would probably be pretty surprised. I thought this thing was just going to take off. So I've been constantly met with, I wouldn't say disappointing realities, but reality checks for the past five and a half years. But this vision I have for seeing Civic Lift as an important part of culture in the areas that we launch in is something I, I'm just obsessed with and couldn't even say why that that is enough for me to keep going but it definitely is there's no chance of me setting this to the side so when I think of others who have actually set aside their projects they were so discouraged by the reality checks that they gave up and that actually says to me that they didn't believe in the product as much as I might believe in Civic Lift right now about two years ago I decided to take on a full-time job, which was very difficult for me because that meant I was going to be very distracted from building Civic Lift. At the time, it made sense to do because we were in development and it wasn't so much my workload, but my development team's workload. But you know, through that time, I, I rediscovered how nice it is to have the income be regular. It kind of highlighted to me just how much that I'm giving up because Everybody always dreams about being their own boss, but what it really feels like is that you have one boss for every client you have. I've sacrificed a lot of comfortable evenings where I could go to bed not thinking about work. The time commitment has been crazy. I feel like I, I work two shifts. I have my day shift, and then I have when the kids come home from school until they go to bed, and then I start my second shift after they go to bed. And years of that activity is it's draining. When I'm working like that, the quality goes down a little bit. So it's a constant you know, battle for how many hours can you fit in a day, but how many of them can you make sure are productive? It, it does affect every other aspect of your life as well to be self-employed. I mean, you look like garbage to somebody you're trying to get a car loan from, for example. I had to fight tooth and nail for the mortgage that I got because nobody likes to see, oh, you're self-employed, that means you're high risk. And I'm married, so that also affected my wife, so that also affected my kids. So I could see my personal choices having an effect on my household and other individuals who I love. And so that is a sacrifice because you're dealing with that every day. That's not something I take lightly for sure. But overall, keeping, keeping the end goal in, on top of your mind at all times and reminding yourself that 
the small task list that you are working on that day is an effort to achieve that final vision that you've been daydreaming about for years, potentially. Many thanks to Evan Dobis for explaining his journey of perseverance in building Civic Lift. Evan has active deployments in many communities across Connecticut with more coming. You can learn about the project for your town at get.civiclift.com. Thanks to Lobo Loco for music, our theme is by Orchestral Movement of 1932. Small Business as Usual is presented by the Community Economic Development Fund, a nonprofit organization which provides enterprises in Connecticut with term loans, lines of credit, and commercial mortgages when they can't get traditional bank financing. For the fifth year in a row, we're Connecticut's top SBA microlender. We make business term loans at very nominal interest rates as small as a few thousand dollars and larger business loans too from a pool of loan capital provided by many of the state's leading banks. There are geographic and or income qualification requirements for the borrowers. You can find out more about all of this at CEDF.com. And this episode of Small Business as Usual is available there. It's number 18-7. So Evan, what lessons in perseverance have you learned from the chickens you raise? <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they produce product every day almost.